0: SECTION 37 OF STORIES FROM THE OPERAS BY GLADYS DAVIDSON This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Denham Verdi's La Traviata One night towards the end of the reign of Le Grand Monarque. No more lively party could have been found in the whole of Gay Paris than that which was assembled in the salon of the beautiful and fascinating courtesan Violetta Valérie. For, with her accustomed extravagant generosity, the fair hostess had provided an entertainment upon the most lavish scale, so that the guests— feasted thus royally and freed from conventional restraint, found it an easy matter to be merry and to exercise their wit for the benefit of one another. It was a brilliant company, too, for Violetta numbered amongst her admirers many scions of the nobility, besides the devotees of art, and since all were bent on pleasure, a constant flow of sparkling humour and joyous mirth on every side, made it impossible for any one to be dull. The beautiful Violetta herself was one of the merriest of all that merry throng, for pleasure was as the very breath of life to her, and such a scene as this was her delight. Yet in spite of natural inclination, her gaiety was not without physical effort, for indulgence in pleasure had developed inherent seeds of consumption with alarming rapidity, and already her frail form showed signs of the advance of the dread disease. Every now and then a sudden faintness would seize her, and the effort of moving amongst her guests was almost more than she could bear, and so, for the most part, she was compelled to recline upon her couch, from whence, however, she rallied her guests with all her accustomed light-heartedness, and around which they circled as the centre of attraction. Amongst the guests present to-night was a handsome young man of noble family, Alfred Germont, who, although he had not yet confessed his passion, had given his whole heart to the lovely courtesan, and had adored her secretly for many months— And Violetta, who, though she had had many lovers, had never yet given her heart to anyone, had always felt a thrill of joy when Alfred approached her, and knew that it was love she felt at last. She had, however, tried to treat him with careless indifference, and to conquer the passion that was slowly but surely enveloping her whole being, for though she had not exercised any such scruples with her former admirers. For his own sake she felt it better that he should not become her lover. But Alfred was not to be discouraged by any such assumed coldness, and since he had determined to declare himself that very evening, it was not long before he found an opportunity to do so. Violetta presently suggested to her guests that they should crown their carousal with dancing, and upon this suggestion being received with acclamation she invited them to repair to the dancing salon beyond, and, springing from her couch, declared merrily that she would lead them. No sooner had she spoken, however, than a sudden faintness seized her, and she fell back upon her couch, pale and trembling— but though her friends crowded round in anxious sympathy, she would not allow them to interrupt their pleasure on her account, bidding them, with laughing carelessness, to begin the dance without her, and to allow her to rest alone for a few moments. No sooner had they gone than Violetta rose slowly and looked anxiously at herself in the nearest mirror, sighing deeply at the sight of her pale face and at that moment Alfred returned to the room, and hurrying to her side, besought her to take more care of the life that was now so precious to him. He then went on to declare how passionately he loved her, and to entreat her to accept him as her lover. And though Violetta at first tried to treat the matter lightly and with gentle banter, She could not long struggle against the wild throbbing of her own heart, which told her only too plainly that she loved him in return. She therefore at last gave way to his pleading, and letting him now see that his love was returned, she determined to forego all her former scruples on his behalf, that they might both experience that deep, wondrous happiness that only comes once in a lifetime. After this the lovers met constantly, and at length became so enthralled in their passion that they could not bear to be separated, and at last impatient of the society of their friends they retired to a country house owned by Violetta some little distance out of Paris, where they could enjoy their bliss undisturbed. Here they spent three months of perfect happiness— falling more deeply in love every day, and thus wrapped up in each other's sweet presence, they lived for one another alone, and seemed oblivious of the whole world. But such absorbing joy could not last for ever, and at length the dream was broken. One day, on returning to the house, after a few hours' absence spent in hunting, Alfred, met Violetta's maid, Anina, and noticing that the girl appeared travel-stained and somewhat disturbed, he stopped to inquire the reason of her flustered state. Anina replied that she had just returned from Paris whither she had been sent on business for her mistress, and upon being questioned further, she revealed the fact that she had been making arrangements for the sale of all Violetta's property and possessions, since the luxurious manner in which they had been living of late was expensive, and more means were needed to keep it up. Filled with compunction that his own selfish enjoyment should have made him forgetful of such mundane but necessary matters, and horrified that Violetta should be about to make such a sacrifice on his behalf, Alfred declared that he would also go to Paris at once, to settle the difficulty by paying over a large sum of money to prevent the sales, and bidding Anina say nothing to her mistress about the matter, he set off for Paris immediately, saying that he would return in a few hours. Violetta soon afterwards came from her room, and entering a pretty salon that opened out on the garden she began to look through a number of papers relating to her business affairs, and to read her letters, and amongst these latter she found a note from her most intimate friend, Flora Bervois, requesting her presence at a masked ball that evening. As the happy Violetta was reading this note, and laughingly reflecting that Flora would look in vain for her that evening, a stranger was ushered into the room, and upon turning to greet her visitor she beheld a gentleman of advanced years and of haughty aristocratic appearance, who immediately announced that he was the father of Alfred Germond, her lover, whom, he added in the same breath, she was bringing to ruin. Then, as Violetta drew back indignantly at these words, Monsieur de Germont, though greatly impressed by her dazzling beauty and proud bearing, went on with the difficult task he had come to perform, that of persuading her to renounce his son, and leave him for ever. And in eloquent but gentle tones he declared that not only was she ruining Alfred's own social position as heir to one of the proudest names in France— but she was also the means of his sister's hand being refused in marriage, since her aristocratic suitor refused to enter their family, whilst her brother was held in thrall by the lovely courtesan. At first Violetta hoped that her separation from Alfred was only desired to be a temporary one, in order that his sister's marriage might be arranged. But when she found it was required that they should never meet again she was overcome with grief and declared passionately that this could never be since she could not bear to be parted from the only man she had ever loved though truly grieving for the pain he was inflicting upon one so lovely monsieur de germont still continued his pleading and he now implored violetta to reflect upon the good deed she would be doing by renouncing a lover, to whose worldly welfare she was a stumbling block, reminding her that in the years to come, when her beauty should have faded, it would be a consolation to her to remember that she had thus restored peace to one home. By this time Violetta was weeping bitterly, for she knew only too well that M. de Germont spoke the truth, and that Alfred's position was ruined by his connection with herself, and her love for him was so great that she determined for his sake to make the sacrifice that was required, and in a broken voice declared that she would leave him that very day. Monsieur de Germont overcome with gratitude and admiration for her noble resolve, embraced her tenderly, as though she were his own daughter, half regretting the harsh course he had felt compared to take with one who possessed so generous and brave a heart. And he then retired to another room, there to await the return of Alfred, to whom Violetta promised to write a farewell message at once.' Having written this heart-rending note, Violetta was about to leave the room when Alfred himself entered, having finished his business in Paris, and seeing her sad looks, he hurried to her side at once, inquiring anxiously for the cause of her gloom. Violetta, however, though terribly agitated, only declared that she wished to hear him say once again that he loved her, and when Alfred had amply satisfied her request, and embraced her tenderly, she retired to the garden without informing him of her new resolve. Here she gave her note into the hands of a servant to deliver to his master, and then, entering a carriage that was already waiting for her, she drove away to Paris with great speed, firmly resolved to keep her promise of renouncing her lover forever. By the time the servant delivered the note, she was already far away, and when Alfred read her farewell message, and realized that she had left him with the intention of severing their connection, he was filled with despair. His grief, however, presently turned to jealousy on perceiving on the table the note from Flora Bervois, which Violetta had forgotten in her haste, for he immediately drew from this the mistaken conclusion that she had left him to attend Flora's Ball that night, with a view to meeting a former admirer, the Baron Dufol, whom he had always regarded as a rival. It was in vain that his father, who entered the room at this moment, endeavoured to calm the agitated young man, entreating him tenderly to think no more of Violetta, but to return to his own ancestral home, where a glad welcome awaited him. For Alfred, now consumed with bitter jealousy, declared that he would also attend the ball at the house of Flora Bevois that night, to learn the truth and avenge his wrongs heedless of his father's continued pleadings for him to return to his home, he set off for Paris at once, and Monsieur de Germont, now afraid to leave his headstrong son when in such a disturbed state, followed him, hoping that he might yet be able to curb his passionate outburst in some measure. That evening a brilliant company of gay pleasure-seekers, met at the house of flora bevoir to enjoy the extravagant entertainment which she had prepared so lavishly and amongst these guests was the baron dufol together with other admirers of the beautiful violetta a grand new mask of gypsies and spanish matadors and picadors was one of the chief features of the entertainment and it was shortly after this had taken place that alfred entered and mingled with the maskers and other guests at the gaming-tables. Violetta also arrived about this time, and in company with the Baron dufol, who immediately took her on his arm on seeing her unescorted, moved from room to room until the gaming-tables were reached, and here, on beholding the very man she most wished to avoid, in order to keep her promise to the elder de Germont, the poor girl was so overcome with conflicting feelings that she drew back, pale and trembling, afraid of what his greeting would be at seeing her in the company of his most detested rival. Alfred was indeed strung up to a high pitch of excitement, and his jealousy and anger was increased tenfold at thus beholding the two together, his suspicions of Violetta's desertion of himself now being confirmed, but assuming for the time being a careless tone, he challenged the baron to play with him, which Dufal haughtily accepted. The stakes were very high, and were doubled each time, and to the amazement of all, Alfred won, again and again his luck being so phenomenally great that the announcement of supper came as a relief to all. Violetta, who had watched this contest between her lover and the baron with the greatest anxiety, feeling that their scarcely suppressed passion would break forth on the slightest provocation, and that a duel might be the result, now found an opportunity of attracting Alfred's attention— and having succeeded in drawing him apart from the guests, she implored him to leave the house, and thus avoid the danger she feared, should a quarrel take place between himself and the baron. But Alfred, mistaking her motive, and thinking she only wished to save her new lover from his wrath, repulsed her with scorn and now, quite beside himself with jealousy, he called the guests from the supper-table, and openly insulted her before them all, declaring that the favours he had accepted from her when she had professed to love him, he now repudiated, and flinging his heavily-weighted purse at her feet, he called them to witness that he had now paid her for all that she had been to him overcome with grief and wounded to the heart at hearing these cruel words from one whom she loved so passionately, and for whom she had just made so great a sacrifice. Poor Violetta fell back fainting into the arms of the sympathetic Flora, and the Baron dufol immediately demanded satisfaction for the insult that had been put upon the lady he honoured with his attentions a challenge which Alfred eagerly accepted, reckless of what might happen to him, but full of despair. Monsieur de Germont, who had also witnessed this terrible scene with much grief, now led his agitated son away, and the entertainment ended in confusion and dismay. Violetta now sank quickly, and grew weaker from day to day, for the dread disease that held her in remorseless grip had been accelerated and alarmingly developed by the terrible mental anguish she had been called upon to suffer, and her end grew rapidly nearer, for the doctor could give no hope of her recovery. One day, however, as she reclined in bed, being no longer able to rise, she received a letter from Monsieur de Germont, which revived her drooping spirits, and made her feel almost better for the time being. For the proud aristocrat, who had once desired her to renounce his son's love, now entreated her to accept it, for her heroic sacrifice and generous nature had completely won his heart, and he now desired above all things to see them united. He wrote— that the duel had taken place, and that though Dufal had been wounded, he was recovering. And he added that Alfred was even now on his way to visit her, and to entreat her pardon, having been told of the noble part she had played, and realising the mistake he had made in supposing that she had accepted Dufault as a lover. She had scarcely finished reading the letter when Alfred himself was announced, followed shortly afterwards by his father, and hastening forward with eager steps, the young man clasped his beloved one in his arms, and the two rejoiced together with full hearts. But the delight of seeing her lover once more was too much of an effort for the enfeebled Violetta, who soon fell back fainting and in a dying condition, and with anxious haste the doctor was summoned immediately. Alfred, full of horror at now beholding the frailty of the suffering girl's appearance, fell on his knees beside her, passionately imploring her to revive and live for his sake and his father also added his entreaties, encouraging her by declaring that he hoped to call her his daughter yet. Violetta, rejoicing at thus finding herself to be so greatly beloved, tried to make an effort to cast off the terrible faintness that constantly seized her, and upon the arrival of the doctor, in spite of the latter's look of pity, she declared that she must now live since such perfect happiness awaited her, and with a bright smile announced that she already felt better. But scarcely had she spoken thus bravely, than she fell back upon her pillows with closed eyes, and as Alfred bent tenderly over her, he uttered a cry of grief and despair, for he saw that his beautiful and beloved Violetta, Was dead. End of section thirty seven. Recording by Tom Denham.